0: Our podcast has been rated in the top one-half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau.
1: Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, in society today, we often find ourselves being pulled in so many different directions. I mean, we don't We don't really know which way is the right way. And we tend to put our attention on the things that scream at us the loudest using the old adage of, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Most men want to make a difference with their lives. They want to make an impact and leave a legacy and contribute to, to making a better world. But unfortunately men are failing in their inner lives, jumping right past their spiritual, personal, marital, familial relationships directly to their working lives, mainly because, well, their work is where they have their identity and and the one area where they get the most affirmation from all their contributions. But if that sounds like you, if you keep telling yourself, you know, you just need to prioritize your family life better. If you know deep down on the inside that you're letting your relationship with your family and with God slip, if you are feeling a sense of guilt or regret regret because you know you're so busy and, and tired all the time, and, and the most precious things in your life, your family, your relationship with God, is really being put on the back burner. If that any of that sounds even remotely familiar, well, you want to pay attention today, amen. Today, we'll be talking with Russell DeVos about space, not the final frontier kind. I'm telling you right now, all right. Russell DeVos has been on our program a couple of times before, he shared how. He grew his church in and, and Bend, Oregon, from just a handful of people to over 1,500 in only three years' time, praise God. But the pressures of the job, some other things led to his eventual defeat, and not focusing on God, not focusing on the family, but focusing on work cost him the church and almost his family. And since that time, he and his wife, Heather, have been working through trying times and are now happier than ever. They serve together and are helping others who are going through the same type of troubles, helping them to overcome through the blood of the lamb and through their testimony, praise God. He and his wife work with parents who usually have teenage sons that are typically in trouble, trouble with the law, trouble with drugs, etc. Many who have been even sent to boarding schools and teen challenge programs, but Russell has a program that will help you today. Amen. Russell's also a broadcaster on radio station Evangelism Radio every single day of the week from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time at evangelismradio.com. Russell's a certified life coach, a teacher, a speaker with the John Maxwell team, Institute for Professional Counseling, and the founder of the Catalyst Coaching Program. Help me welcome back to the program our good friend Russell DeVos. Praise God for you, brother. Welcome back.
2: Thank you. Good to be back. Looking forward to this.
1: Amen. I've been looking forward to this too. Now, now, for those who may not have heard our prior interviews, because last one was like over a year ago, tell mm-hmm. us in your own words, who is Russell DeVos?
2: Who am I? Well, you know, um, I'm, a, I'm a pastor's kid. I'm I, you know, if you want to get real technical, uh, bottom line is I, I gave my heart to Jesus at age four, but had a major, major, uh, encounter with God at age 13 or 14, I should say, at a Bible camp where I really put the stake in the ground and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. And it was a watershed moment in my life and I have been following Jesus. But, uh, you know, our character uh, or lack thereof catches up with us. So was married at 29 after spending a couple years on the mission field and uh, planned to the church. My wife and I did when I was just in my mid, mid-30s that exploded as you mentioned and in the middle of all of that some very distinct character issues reared their ugly heads and as you said cost us the church almost cost me my marriage we moved from a center our cent our little town in central oregon up to seattle washington and i i spent 13 years in the world of home improvement as an outside salesman for our company and god has blessed that but again character issues creeped in and um so our story is one of hitting the bottom, walking through a lot of dark days, a lot of family issues, a lot of marital issues, um, learning how to be a dad, learning how to be a husband. And um, by God's grace, we've seen a lot of growth and uh, have are walking out of those dark days into a lot of light and uh, now helping men much like myself who are successful often in business but struggling mightily in their home lives and i'm finding that this is prevalent um, across our nation and our world but I work mostly with the with men here in America where guys are maybe successful making money um, building their business their work life but their marriages are are failing their children don't like them and that was certainly my case and god has god has brought us out of that into a place of ever-increasing health where my relationship with all three of my kids that was shattered and really uh, really didn't have a relationship is now being restored with all of them my wife and i are uh, we're not perfect by any stretch we're going to celebrate those 25 years this year by god's grace we're still together and we are committed for the long haul come hell or high water we're in it for life and uh so there there's a little bit about me
1: Amen. Yeah. Silver anniversary coming up. Praise God. I remember our silver anniversary we're coming up on 45 years in another month or so. So, Wow. Praise the Lord. We're we're starting to plan our 50th, that golden anniversary, you know, where we want to go, what we want to do and all that. So praise God. Yeah. Amen. Now you teach a lot about how to deal with anger management and, and what you learned about dark thought patterns that are projected onto others. Mm-hmm. With you, it was towards your wife and kids. You said, "Tell us about this and what you learned about anger management."
2: Yeah, you know, I never thought I was an angry person. Um, I was I was considered a very nice guy growing up through high school and then even in college. But there were a few moments when I when I had explosive rage, and it, it there was an indicator that it was very possible. And that was then I got married, and then I realized. <laughs> Oh, the, the, there is there is a volcano down within me, and as as year pa- years passed and struggles in marriage uh, continued, um, the anger began to creep up, and I began to realize I, I I didn't realize it. That's the point. I didn't realize I had an anger problem. I thought it was just normal tall man. I thought I had it managed, but um, after uh, my failure in ministry, we had planted a church. Three years, it grew like you said, from about 17 people to, to moving towards 2,000 people. Very quick growth, and then uh, due to infidelity, thank God it wasn't adultery, but it was in, it was certainly disqualifying um, infidelity. We went into a very dark place and moved from our town where we had planted the church up to Seattle, Washington, and in in the process of trying to work my way through. All of what had just happened, this major shipwreck, uh, my anger went to a completely different level, and um, I was spinning out of control. Uh, and once again, by God's grace, I succeeded incredibly well in in business. I, I went to to the top on the sales ladder, and my company set every record there was to set, and was making a lot of money by first time in my life. As a pastor, you don't do that, but once again, thriving in business. Thriving in the world of work, but just barely hanging on as a husband, barely hanging on as a father. Uh, My wife and kids really didn't want me to come home at night. And um, I didn't really want to go home, to be very honest with you. I didn't like my kids. I didn't like my wife. Um, We had a lot of money, (laughs) but we, we didn't have a lot of joy or peace in our home. And so in 2015, I hit the bottom. And there was a statement that, frankly... I thought was very corny that a sales associate of mine used as a closing line in his sales appointments. And it was simply this, nothing changes unless something changes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, well, whatever, that's, that's a manipulative line to sell, sell, you know, sell home improvement products. But I was sitting on our porch swing in November of 2015, and I was hit in the face with that statement. Our marriage was at a low. Uh, My relationship with my kids was at a low. I had just had the first ever uh, physical contact with my daughter in a a moment of anger, uh, Mm. which which I never dreamed that I would lay hands on my daughter. I didn't hurt her, but it was uh, I crossed a boundary I'd never crossed before. And I'm sitting in the swing and that statement just hit me like a club in the forehead. Nothing changes unless something changes. And that was kind of the the, the bottom. It, it, now, frankly, it wasn't the bottom in the sense things got worse before they got better. But that was the point where I realized something has got to change. What we're doing is not working. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I started a journey uh, from that point, uh, and and that's where the work really began. And I began to really work on my anger. And I can go into more detail, but I'll I'll mm-hmm. stop there for the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I know I I can relate to that. You know I I used to. Describe myself that I had a lot of patience until the patience ran out. Yeah. And it, you know, I became like a raging lunatic,
2: you know. Yeah. And
1: and I would go off for little things, but it was that accumulation. And that just happened to be that one straw, as they say, broke the camel's back. And, you know, people around me say, why would you get upset because somebody, left a coffee ring on your desk or something, right. you know what I mean? And, you know, and it, it's just the accumulation of things. Cause I didn't know how to one vent. So that pressure wouldn't build up, yep. but I mean, and there was uh, many times and, and. Uh, I'm not saying this facetiously or that or doesn't sound, I want, I don't want to sound like bravado or anything, but you know, if it even looked like, or thought like we may come to blows, I would attack first because I wanted to discuss peace on my terms.
2: Yeah. yeah, And it
1: it took people by surprise and, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, led to brawls and fights and, Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, that was my temperament. And really Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I was born again, even then it didn't go away, Mm -hmm. but it, I now had an outlet to let that steam off, you know, mm-hmm. and it was prayer and I'd start praying, Lord, I'm going to hurt this person. I'm glad I believe in healing, but you know, cause oh. I can lay hands on, but it was just, you know, things like that. And suddenly it didn't happen as often. And then I realized, wow, this prayer stuff really works, you know, and you know, let the Lord take it. And, and, and it, I mean, it, even today, I mean, as I'm speaking to you, my toes are curling up inside their, the shoes right now, because when I discuss this, I I I could feel it coming back up. That that person is still there, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and there are times, you know, like, you know, I I as a police officer, I'd be out on the side of the road, and somebody, you know, would be getting a little mouthy, and you know, maybe you know. look if you do this you're going to get hurt three times because one i'm going to beat you down two you're going to jail and three it's going to cost you a lot of money instead of just a traffic ticket you know Mm -hmm. i mean and that's you know but my partners and fellow law enforcement they knew you know even though i was like 10 15 years older than most of them out there i could handle myself on the side of the road you know, and yeah. and if hey, I call for it. backup, they'd call. They would you know immediately rush to my aid because they said if if it had built up to the point where I was calling for backup, somebody's about to get a beatdown. <laughs> <You know? So, laughs> they would be there quick to try and intercede. But that and I let say I'm not saying that bragging at all. That is my personality. Mm-hmm. You know, I was brought up that way, and uh, and our marriage was not all that great really until after I got born again. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. So I can relate to 100% what you're saying, 100%. And uh, again, folks, prayer works. Let's put it like that. Prayer does work. But what Russell's going to be sharing with you are some steps to begin to implement that. Because, Russell, you know, a lot of parents, they call it nagging. You know, they resort to nagging, they're complaining because their kids are lazy. They're not doing nothing. You know, I try and do all this stuff for them. I work two jobs and and they won't even pick up the house and all this, you know. But you've developed a program that will guide parents to try a little different approach called space. What does space stand for and how does it all work? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, first of all, I think that the, the, the journey towards getting control of your anger uh is first admitting that you have a problem with it and a lot of them don't do that they 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 do say well it's my personality or it's i i'm irish or i'm you know they'll blame it on the nationality there's always something to blame for it i have red hair you know or this or that no no anger is a sin issue anger is a lack of self-control anger is uh, it's a. Firstly, it's an issue of your thoughts. It's it's an issue mm-hmm. of your thought life. So, when I began to get control of my anger, I, had, I began to work with a coach. He was a former military guy, and we began to understand. And I I had begun to to study this issue of anger and realized that all of emotion flows out of our thoughts. I, all of our emotions are a product of a thought behind it. So when you begin to identify what is the thought that's driving this emotion of anger, you begin to really get to the root of how to solve anger. Yeah, I mean. um, and you find that, that it is really an issue of renewing your mind and taking your yeah. thoughts captive. And so these are all biblical principles, but I have very rarely heard them taught or, or applied. So we begin, I'll, I'll just give you an example of one life-changing event for me. I was in a coaching session with this, this, uh, this coach. His name is Elijah, of all things. <laughs> and um, we, I was sharing with him some of the interactions with my kids. And so he gave me an assignment, and it was simply this. Take a, a, a binder of paper, and on the left-hand side, I want you to write down and do a brain dump of every thought, uncensored, don't clean it up at all. It, it, nobody else needs to read this but yourself. But it needs to be brutally and blatantly honest about every single thought that you can think of that you think about your children. Mm. Not my wife. as my kids in this case. And then write it all down. Just dump everything you can possibly think of on there. And I did that. And it filled the whole page. And it was the ugliest, darkest. Thankfully, nobody has ever seen that list. I've shared a few of the thoughts in my class, the class that I'll share with you. I've shared some of those thoughts because on the right side, then I was to write every truth, basically the polar opposite of what I wrote on on the left side. But when I read that left side, I realized there is no way my kids could ever feel love from me because they know they can sense it oozes out of my pores, how Mm -hmm. I think about them. I mean, I thought of them as my property. I thought of them as inferior. I thought of them as, as intellectually, very definitely intellectually inferior. I thought of them as a pain in my side. I thought of them in ways that Mm. were inhumane.
1: Yeah.
2: And I didn't, I wasn't even aware of this until I did this exercise. And when I looked at that sheet of paper, there was something inside of me that was so that, that began to grieve at such a deep level, thinking, my poor children that they have to deal with a dad who views them this way mm. and that's how they that's what they get that feeling and that sense from me every time they're around me, mm. and so I created the other side, the right side of the list, which was truth. I took the lie that was primarily all of the left side, and I countered it with truth on the right side and I was now able to look at two different lists, one with the dark, ugly, heinous thoughts that I thought about my kids, the right side with all the truth that came from either scripture or what I just knew to be the truth about my kids. And then I had a choice. I can choose to pick from the left-hand side or the right-hand side when I think about my kids. Mm. And so what I began to do is I began to meditate on that right-hand side, just doing the exercise exposed a darkness i didn't even know existed i i the the results of it were destroying my family but i didn't know what the volcano underneath of it was and it was this dark thought life Mm -hmm. Um, and once that was exposed then i was able to counter it with truth and then i began to meditate on that truth on a daily basis and replace the lies with truth and so when i got in those same situations I had renewed my mind and the anger wasn't nearly as explosive because Mm -hmm. my thoughts were completely different. So my emotions that came out of there weren't nearly as often anger. They were, Mm -hmm. um, patience, kindness, compassion, empathy, because my thoughts were so different.
1: Yeah. And it was
2: that exercise. That was a pivot point. That was a watershed moment for me. Um, Mm. I also be I also understood one of the things that God showed me real closely. And by the way, in these processes, there's work that we do, that's very practical work, but there's also the work of the Holy Spirit who yeah. enlightens our mind. In Psalm 139, David says, Oh uh, David says, Search me, oh God, know my heart. See yeah. if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting.
1: Yeah.
2: What we're basically saying, if we're willing to say that to the Lord, we're saying, Lord, I am teachable and I'm searchable and I'm willing to go through the pain and the heartache of seeing the ugliness of my heart. If you're willing to shine your spotlight, Holy Spirit, on my heart, I'm willing to look at it.
1: Amen. Amen.
2: And so that that exercise was a revelation to me and it changed everything. Then I began to meditate on the one side. The other the other thing that was a, also a watershed moment was when I realized also that I catastrophized events that didn't need to be catastrophized. I made a huge mountain out of a molehill. And the Lord, believe it or not, brought a story from my childhood, Penny Penny. I don't know if you remember that story. The little The little chicken who walks under an oak tree and an acorn falls on her head. And then she literally goes like Paul Revere through the whole neighborhood saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and the Lord showed me that is you. Mm. Wow. You get hit with an acorn and you make it a mountain and you tell everybody the sky is falling. And I would have I had my phone calls, the people I called tell them my marriage is falling apart, my kids are going to hell, my whole life is a hell going to hell in a handbasket. And I would catastrophize everything. But in that moment, I could tell you exactly where it was on the highway. exactly where the holy spirit revealed that to me and again that changed everything as well because um i was catastrophizing things that were just acorns
1: yeah and
2: so uh i was able to say to myself this is not a mountain this is just an acorn the sky is not falling this is just an acorn and when i began to speak that over myself it just de-escalated everything it's just an acorn it's just an acorn and that also, it's amazing, Bob. It's not rocket science, but when the Holy Spirit gives you little pictures, little epiphanies, mm-hmm. and, and your mind shifts. By the way, that's what revelation is. It's when you see things from a viewpoint or see things differently than you've seen them before. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit to give you revelation.
1: Yeah.
2: Amen. So Amen. it's work we do, but the Spirit of God then comes in with His supernatural supernatural, spotlight and his discernment and his wisdom and his, his ability to open our eyes and um, transformation happens. And it's progressive. It's not for me. It has, I'm still working. I'm still oh, yeah. working progress for sure. But you see but me talking amazing. just a
1: few minutes ago. I mean, it's still, you know, I mean, it's a 99% better than what it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Big progress. Yeah. yeah amen. Amen. Yeah. My, my little saying is uh, my wife gets sick of hearing it. Something will go wrong, she'll drop something, break something, or I'll do something. And my saying is, What you gonna do?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? She says, What do you mean, what you gonna do? I said, Well, it's broke, so let's go buy a new one. Yeah, you know? now 30 years ago, that would have been a fight, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how could yeah. you be so stupid, you know, type thing. Yeah. But uh, now it's like, Well, it's broke, what you gonna do? Let's well, just go yeah. get a new one, you know. I mean, it's and, and now that's her big joke is what you going to do. <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: anyway, so tell us about space. What is it? Okay, oh, good, good, good. We'll, yeah. Let's do that. So in this process, and, and again, for anybody listening, understand this is a process. I know we all, like, like you were mentioning, we want things done now. We want it quickly. We want the magic pixie dust to come down and we're healed.
1: Yeah, that happens once in a while,
2: once in a great while, you'll hear a story like that. People are smokers, then boom, they're, they're delivered. They're angry. They're delivered. That is not the norm. So if you're listening, just understand for the vast, vast, vast majority of us, it's the work of the Holy Spirit of progressive growth as we work alongside of him in, in harmony with his process. So I'm in this process. I've all, all that I've just described has happened. I'm, I'm on speaking terms again with my daughter, but she has made a mistake in her life. And she called me, um, and was sharing it with me. And I went back into Mm. anger mode. And by the way, I have found in this journey, much of anger, at least my anger was driven by fear because when it comes to fight or flight, I'm not flight. I don't fly. I don't. Freeze or fly, I fight. I'm a fighter. Yep. I'm there with and, um, you. There's some good things about that. There are some things that are not good about that. So, when she shared with me what she had done, you know, it pushed every button about my daughter's not a good person. She's going down this road. She's on the highway to hell. All the catastrophe, all that catastrophic thinking flooded me. And I resorted back to lecturing anger, sternness, and and she shut down. She just flat out shut down. And I'd been doing the work now, so I'm much more sensitive to these these scenarios. And that conversation was done. And it ended badly as so many others had. And instead of me justifying my behavior, which I would have in the past, I was devastated. I just thought I blew it again. I'm never going to change. You know, I went catastrophic thinking there. I'm never going to change. I'm always going to be stuck i blew it again but in this case i went and i got i got quiet and i went away with the lord and i began to journal and i asked what was what happened there and the lord showed me that you don't communicate lovingly and then i began to begin to ask the holy spirit well what does loving communication look like and you would think i was a pastor i've been a believer i'm a pastor's kid you would think that that answer would be so obvious But what the Holy Spirit spoke to me has now resulted in this class. He spoke to me, love creates space.
1: Mm. Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for today's portion of this great interview with Russell DeVos. Now the Holy Spirit has given him this great message, love creates space. Praise God. Today, Russell shared his background and how he came to receive this message. Amen. Now, I know we had to stop for today, but Russell will be back with us on the next episode, and he's going to go into detail about what SPACE stands for, the acronym, and how you can apply it to your situations, family, work, etc. I'm telling you, folks, you do not want to miss this. Amen. Russell DeVos can also be heard at evangelismradio.com every single day on the radio station from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time, Sunday through Saturday, praise God. Right now, though, drop down into the show notes, reach out to Russell. He's prepared to hold a special class just to discuss and teach you how to use the space model to improve your communications with those you care about. Amen. Till next time, this is Pastor Bob I'm reminding you, be blessed
0: please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.
1: So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters